The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is Devin Duvernay, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Go to Underdog Fantasy right now, use promo code ROSTER for up to $100 in uh, deposit bonus. They give you a 100% deposit bonus, up to $100. All you need to do is use that promo code ROSTER and get in on the action. The Best Ball Mania 3 tournament still filling up and has $2 million up top with a $1 million second prize, $1 million to the... Uh, one million dollars to the person who finishes uh, tops as far as regular season. So just a, a massive, massive contest. Go over there, Underdog Fantasy promo code roster. All right, our guest today. He's an a, a, an industry veteran as far as uh, you know him from his beat writing work. I believe. I mean, Mike K. He was in Jacksonville, I think. You were in Jacksonville, and then you know, of course, you were most recently, I believe, in in Philadelphia, uh, right there covering uh, Jets, Eagles, all those teams. Now he's the national lead NFL reporter over at Pro Football Network. You can find him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K. That's K-A-Y-E. And Mike, uh, just before we get started, man, thanks so much for coming on again, brother. Always love to hear from you. Always great to hear your voice and see your face. Um, tell us, though, about like, so it's a new it's a it's a new day for you. Now you're covering all the teams. It's not just one. Like, tell us, uh, what, uh, how, how do you like the new gig? And what do you guys have going on over there at PFN? I'm loving it. I, I love Pro Football Network. Uh, we are the uh, underdogs who could, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I joined uh, right at the NFL Combine. Uh, that was my first day, and uh, it's been great. Matt Kanata is a brilliant leader. Adam Beasley, Aaron Wilson, myself, uh, you know, heading up that NFL vertical and, and you know, got some veteran reporters there who've got a lot of beat experience and um, you know, we're covering the entire league. Like you said, uh, I'm doing weekly case takes on quarterbacks, um, a bunch of columns, uh, writing some, some bigger open-ended stories. I just today uh, on Tuesday, I, I published a story about the underdog players from the USFL who there's about 40 of them. And it's been a spring league success story because a lot of these guys do have shots at the roster, uh, told a bunch of their stories. Um, and then we have PFN pass, which is kind of, which has a really cool tool fantasy toolkit where it can help you win your league for several years as opposed to just this year. So, um, 
we got a lot going on at PFN, man. It's been it's been a fun ride so far. Well, I was telling you before we got on, it's cool to see guys like you. I mean, beat writers who we – because, I mean, as fantasy guys, they're beat writers who you learn to trust and beat writers who you learn to think like, man, they, they don't really get it as far as what we're looking for here. <laughs> you know, I mean, is it like sure. – it seems like – it seems like – just before I ask you about any, any of your other questions, just whenever you were a, a, a beat writer, right, there are some who were very team-centric who – talk up these players who aren't ever going to be of any interest to anybody and as far as the national scope of things you hear about some dude in Minnesota and he's talking about uh, you know Chad Beebe or something I, I guess Chad Beebe's now with the Texans but you know what I'm saying like it's you know this guy's had a huge camp he's been great like all this stuff and like we're left to sort of decipher you know nationally what does like does this really mean something to us or does this mean just something to all the super hardcore fans in, in that beat writer city where he's just trying to bring the minutia of everything regarding the team and now here we are just kind of extrapolating that into you know what like our consciousness, what we need to know. How do you like? How do you balance that? Whenever you were beat writing, were you writing for the broader audience, or were you writing just for that hyper local audience? You got to write for both. Um, a good beat writer covers all one through fifty three. You you mm-hmm. have to. Um, that's how you guys know in advance of hey, if there's a major injury, can this guy play right? And so I think you've got to find that balance. I mean, quarterbacks are king when you're covering anything in the NFL, and it, it all trickles down from there. Sometimes you want to tell, like, a really good human interest story. Those are normally at the bottom of the roster. But as far as hyping up guys who probably won't get very many touches, uh, you've got to be aware of that. That is part of your job because the betting industry and the fantasy industry have become so polarizing and so – uh, heavy, like you said, and, and obviously your show caters to uh, a, a hardcore audience that's not necessarily rooting for maybe a team individually, but for players who could be sleepers, guys who are on the on the come up. And, but also, you know, you got to know if Christian McCaffrey is going to touch the ball, you know, 40 times, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there's stuff that. like that. So you, you have to be conscious of both of everybody, really. Your, your audience is everyone. You can't just treat – you also can't write down to your audience. You can't write up to your audience. You can't make them feel like they're, you know, learning paint-by-numbers stuff, right? You've got mm-hmm. to you've got to trust that they have educated themselves. And if they're just a casual fan, you've got to be able to fill them in on what's going on on a daily basis. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like an interesting uh, – it's, it's just such an interesting job. And it's just one other question that I've had um, – what about what's it been like cultivating sources for you? Because now, I mean, doing it at the local level, you're always around the team. You're, you know, it feels like if you're always around the building, you bump into people. I mean, I'm down here in Austin. I do this stuff where I, you know, I'll cover also the Texas Longhorns. And when you're down there and you're around the facility, you're around practices, you kind of bump into people. You get to know some folks. I wonder, like, is like how how have you adapted just as far as now you've moved to a national beat writer? Is it, is it just in this day and age, is it, is it easier than you would think to be able to make connections with some of these sources that aren't necessarily geographically located close to you? Or is it something that you're having to kind of relearn? Well, I think the pandemic changed a lot of things. I think the pandemic exposed a lot of lazy national writers and lazy beat writers because they didn't pick up the phone. Right. Like if uh-huh. you just, if you just depend on the locker room or bumping into somebody, uh, at a big event, then you're really not, you know, you're not, <laughs> it, it, everybody can do that, right? You're right. not separating yourself. And so I, I think from a cultivating source standpoint, 
you know, you've got to put yourself out there. You've got to network. This is a relationship business. And it's, you know, it's difficult. It's very difficult. If it wasn't, everyone would do it. Right. No, it's a, that's the thing. It's, it's like to me, it's, you know, people think about being like the national beat writers being maybe one of these just one of these easy jobs. I'm just like, dude, if you've ever had a sales job where you got to make a bunch of phone calls and do stuff like that or take some notes or uh, stuff, you know, it's like, you know, to be able to get to be one of the Adam Schefters or something like that, I mean, you, you take a you take a lot of no's sort of on, on, on the way up. So we do appreciate everything you do, Mike. And thank you for giving us some of that insight into sort of the way that you guys think to help us sort of uh, decode what it is that, um, what it is that we can use. And I know that you have a bunch of stuff that's useful because like, like us, you have been on your own uh, sort of training camp tour. Mm-hmm. And so we're interested in getting all the news that we can from training camps. So, so you've been to Baltimore, you've been to the uh, Washington, you've been with the Jets, you've been with Philly, you've been with the New York Giants. I, I just maybe want to ask you just right off the bat, uh, um, I'd like to ask you just your one biggest fantasy related takeaway from each one of those teams that you've been at camps, you've been around there talking to folks. Maybe we can start with the Jets. And before I ask you about that takeaway, maybe if I could just also ask, how much do you think that this Makai Becton injury is going to play into what it is that they're going to be doing? Because to me, I've I've been always wondering, like, why why do Jets fans not love Makai Becton? Like, what why is it that people have always seemed like they're uh, it always feels like people are walking on pins and needles around saying that this guy's awesome whenever we'd seen reps out of him that were just completely just, I mean, out of this world before, was it just people were worried that this was going to happen with a re-injury, stuff like that? How do you think that that's going to affect the Jets? And then, of course, I'll ask you about the fantasy stuff. But I, I guess the Makai Becton with the news that it looks like he's going to miss the whole season now that came out this morning. Um, I'd just I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about the fallout there. Well, I mean, I think they're actually in a pretty decent position. They did talk to Dwayne Brown uh, this past weekend. Uh, there's interest there. Um, we talked to Robert Sala about it. They seem very, very interested. The ball's kind of in Brown's court, but what they did was what's kind of interesting is they announced George Fant as the starting left tackle and move Makai back to right tackle. Right. Well, Fant can play right tackle really, really well. So if they bring in Dwayne Brown, you're comfortable moving Fant to right tackle, right? And then you put, and he's got a lot of leverage for a new contract now. And then Brown can play at left tackle, or let's say you trade for somebody like Andre Dillard. He's really a left tackle only you can move fan over. But as far as Becton, I I think a lot of people with guys with big guys in conditioning, that's always kind of like a big talker in the Northeast. Like, you know, you see it time and time again, that guys are out of shape or um, they have constant injuries and then they become, uh, I remember he's not a bigger guy, but when I covered the Jaguars, Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, there called, uh, Marquise Lee, the albino tiger, because you only really kind of see him every now and then. Right? He, goes, <laughs> he goes missing, right? Because he had all the soft tissue injuries, right? And <laughs> I think when you, when you worry about conditioning, that can lead to soft tissue injuries. Those soft tissue injuries can lead to bigger injuries too. I mean, um, I, I think he's a guy who, when he's on the field, he's great. When he isn't, which seems to have been a lot over the last year, it's it's frustrating. I mean, this guy was a top 15 pick, um, you know, was seen to be the starting left tackle. Now he's the right tackle, which, you know, there's still the stigma that left tackle is more important than right tackle. If you follow the Eagles, you know, that's not true. Right. Um, yeah. And so I think there's this perception that maybe there's some laziness there. Maybe this guy's injury prone. It's the Northeast. Everybody gets, you know, has their thing right everybody 
you know what I mean? Um, but as far as fantasy goes, listen to me very carefully. I'm going to tell you a secret. Buy stock in Tyler Conklin. Buy stock in Tyler Conklin. This is a guy who has been targeted repeatedly uh, during the night scrimmage. Zach Wilson was hitting him like just nonstop. And one of Zach Wilson's issues last year was the short to intermediate routes and seeing the middle of the field. Boys and girls, Tyler Conklin has really, really done a nice job. Uh, CJ Uzama has done a really nice job too, but Tyler Conklin's clearly going to be the tight end one at this point. Um, They actually have a really good tight end room after (laughs) – years of having a terrible one. I mean, really Conklin is going to get touches. They're going to run a lot of 12 personnel, which is one tight end two, or sorry, one running back, two tight ends and two wide receivers. So you're going to see Conklin and Ozama a lot on the field. Uh, A a sleeper guy to look out for if you're in like really deep leagues is uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly is Kenny Yabua. He's impressed me quite a bit. Lawrence Cager could could have a shot. He's a former uh, wide receiver that they converted to tight end. And then I would tell you this, Garrett Wilson's kind of been hit or miss when I've been there. I've only been to two practices. I went to one thing about TAs, but um, I think that might take a little bit of time. Um, So I wouldn't really attack that very early. I think Elijah Moore is going to be stellar. I think he's going to take the next step. Um, I think Corey Davis is Corey Davis. I mean, I, I think he's more of a complimentary player at this point. He's probably more of like a wide receiver three. But um, Tyler Conklin's going to be a top 10 tight end in fantasy. I, I, I love it. I love it because I love Tyler Conklin. He, he was my favorite tight end at, during, during, during that senior bowl week. And then, and then you meet him. He just looks like a – he just looks like a – I just told I, – I told that guy to his face. I said, man, you look like a dude who – kills your own meals like with like with your own bare hands he's just a just an animal you know he's got some nasty uh yeah. <laughs> nasty in a good way uh yeah. leg tattoos i almost uh, turned to another beat writer and said hey do you think i could pull this off the 2022 roster watch cheat sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com the revolutionary cheat sheet that changed fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate the Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it, three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. An expert quality draft is always guaranteed. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. It's only at rosterwatch.com. Awesome, awesome stuff about Tyler Conklin. Uh, we, we certainly love him around here. What about um, what about just staying with, staying with the New York teams? What about the What about the Giants? Any real takeaways there? I mean, it, it, there's certainly no lack of storylines, you know, from Brian Dable to a possible Daniel Jones bounce back to, you know, possible comeback season for Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I mean, there's a million. I mean, the the wide receiver. I mean, you got this huge enigma that's Kadarius Tony. You have Kenny Galladay who hadn't done anything since he got there. What like what was it that you came away from uh, Giants camp thinking? If you were thinking about it from a fantasy perspective. I really like Wendell Robinson, the second round pick. Okay. Uh, he is a yards after catch machine. Um, you know, he and Jones have developed some chemistry across the middle. Uh, kind of reminds me of um, Tavon Austin a little bit. Like you can get him in space and he can create plays if you use him properly. Um, Galladay, uh, at least in my, in showing up uh, 
when I did, um, I've been to two practices. Jones and him have like kind of an off, off and on chemistry. That's what everybody says, man. They just say, that yeah. I mean, look, there was one day where he just missed him like four or five or three or oh, four God. times. I mean, yeah. like it was, it was not great. Um, you know, Galladay is a guy that a lot of people ran with after the one Pro Bowl year. Then he got injured, and you know, last year was a disaster. I mean, Lane Johnson had more touchdown catches than he did, right? So. Um, yeah, I would avoid Kenny Galladay. I, I think that's one of those those ones that you can. And yeah, Kadarius Tony is an enigma, like you said. But you know who's also an enigma entering year four is Daniel Jones. And I don't know what fantasy upside he has because of the guys on my tour, uh, quarterback wise, I, I just I, I can't figure it out. I, I really, I, you know, it's one of those things. And Giants fans really can't either, from what I understand. You can't figure it out, meaning you just. Um... You can't is he figure- going to take the next step? Is he not going to be a turnover machine anymore? Is he mm-hmm. going to be able to stay durable? Let me tell you something. Tyrod Taylor looks natural out there. I'm not. I don't think there's a quarterback controversy, but I could see a scenario where the Giants turn to him at some point in the season, and I think they were smart to not pick up the fifth year option. Good. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. So speaking of the quarter, so you were in, you were in Washington. Were, were you more you were more comfortable with Carson Wentz than with uh, Daniel with Daniel Jones with the way that with, with well the way, I know what he is right I covered, him, I covered him for three years so oh right well yeah so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm sure um, so what do you think about Wentz what like whenever you went down there I I'm like I think that some of the storylines that people probably wonder about is well you know Carson Wentz what does he do for the offense what you know maybe does he focus in on a Terry McLaurin the same way that he focused in last year on a Michael Pittman and was able to sort of at least elevate one fantasy wide receiver there in that offense. And of course, everybody talks about Antonio Gibson, how worried they are about what well, JD McKissick comes back after flirting with the Buffalo bills. He takes on a pass catching role. Then they have Brian Robinson who was at the senior bowl this year, not your typical Alabama stud running back, but a guy who comes in that's you know, probably a little bit better than just a guy. I, I would think they're already talking that he might be taking over some goal line work. Is there anything that stood out to you as kind of being the most important as you left Washington? Yeah. I mean, Carson struggled mightily uh, when I was there and struggled a bit more after I left as well. But I would say Jahan Dotson's a guy um, who I think like if you're in a dynasty league, like he's, he's got a lot of upside in my opinion, he's got the most upside of any wide receiver in this class. And I think, um, you know, Carson had two really good throws that day. One of them was an effortless 30-yard uh, floater to Dotson, who caught it, cont- contested down the field on a go route. Um, I-, I think Dotson's going to be a big play machine. Um, I think McLaurin will eat, obviously, but I think Dotson's a guy that you should really look into if you, if you need, like, a-, a wide receiver three, wide receiver four. Um, that's That would be my takeaway. Again, I was only there for one practice, but Jahan Dotson's a guy I feel very comfortable with. And, and w- when you've been as many practices as you have, Mike, and you see one of these guys flash, especially when they're when they're a rookie, that 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 means a lot to that means a lot to us because clearly your eyeballs have seen a whole lot of guys on a whole lot of teams, and it, it isn't easy for these rookies to come in and, and, and flash like that. Sure. Um, and you know, people forget, dude, so much buzz to these other guys. People forget he was a first round pick. It's like people are just so much more interested in some of these other guys who went like in the second round and stuff. And mm-hmm. Dotson was a good, good player in college. Um, okay, uh, two more. You were in Baltimore. I yep. mean, geez, I mean, there's the there's there's Lamar Jackson, there's contract stuff, there's 
There's, you know, God, this stuff with J.K. Dobbins. Now he's just off the physically unable to perform list where that seems like things have gone in the opposite way that all the Twitter doctors had said because mm-hmm. of the level of the reconstructive surgery he had versus what Gus Edwards had. They said Gus would be back first. Now Gus looks like he's doubtful for week one. J.K. is going through positional work and he's off of pup. Um, there's all the Rashad Bateman talk. Uh, is there anything that you kind of came away from there that sort of highlights um, what you would think from your time in Baltimore from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, so I was there the first day at camp because of those contract issues, so I wanted to get oh. some answers. Um, but let me tell you something. Lamar Jackson, of anybody, uh, looked the best. It was not even close. His ability to throw downfield looks improved. He's more muscular. I think he'll be more durable this season. Um, I was really impressed by his accuracy, especially downfield. Uh, Devin DuVernay is a guy that I really, really like. I know everybody's talking about Rashad Bateman and uh, James Proch. Is that how you James, say James, it's, it's James Prochet. Yeah, Prochet. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, 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 Devin DuVernay is a guy to me that is going to uh, be a downfield threat. He's going to be a guy that they set up three yards after the catch. Um, I don't know if he's like a wide receiver one through three, but he's a guy that if you play in a, in a league where it's very deep, wide receivers uh he's very intriguing to me obviously he's got the special teams upside but the the two guys that i came away extremely impressed by i mean obviously it's just the first practice at camp is lamar and, and DuVernay. people down here in texas are going to become ravens fans because now they got justin tucker long term they got devin duvernay who was a, just an absolute high school track and football phenom here of course he played at ut and then james prochet was another texas high school phenom that uh, came out of smu and a dude who had a really good senior bowl as well so uh definitely interested to hear that from you on devin duvernay people forget devin De- pro bowler devin duvernay by the mm-hmm. way uh, so yeah. i mean all Great returner. Uh, yeah, as a returner so let's see if he can yeah. let's see what if, if he what he can do given some opportunities on the uh on the offensive side of the ball all right and now i want to save the last one for the one that's close the, the one that's closest to home i don't want to say your philadelphia eagles but hey, and before I ask you about the, and, and, and before I ask you about the Eagles, just the fantasy stuff, you mentioned Andre Dillard earlier. Do you think that they want? Do you think that they want to trade Dillard? I mean, I think if they got offered her a second or a first, they would do it in a heartbeat, maybe even a third. But I, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think he's he's had a pretty decent camp. He had a concussion where he missed a week, but he's come back in great shape. He seems to be playing well. I, I think in a league where when you're you're built to contend in a conference. You don't trade away great assets unless you have multiple ones. And while they have a decent offensive line depth chart, uh, I think left tackle is something that they really need to keep an eye on. Okay. Uh, what about for fantasy? Because mm-hmm. oh, Jesus, I mean, wh- where do you start? I mean, there's the gym. Uh, there- I mean, I mean, I don't even know, but I mean, you got, you got Miles Sanders saying don't don't draft any of us at fantasy. You got all the Kenny Gainwell hype. I think you got I think you got a pic. Is that a picture of Kenny Gainwell back behind you? I can't. I no, can't that's really Boston tell. Scott. That's from the story. Ended, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, three years okay. ago. So but I mean, I'm just I don't I don't know. AJ Brown. The only Monty place Smith. to start, I got to tell you, is AJ Brown. The dude's been targeted a gajillion times. I've been to three practices. He's been targeted at least thirty times while I've been at those combined practices. So. Um, listen, the chemistry between he and Jalen Hurts is terrific. Uh, Jalen Hurts is throwing the ball deep a little bit more. Um, I think his accuracy and efficiency over the middle of the field has improved. Uh, A.J. Brown moving to the X receiver spot. He's getting open with regularity. He's a guy who can take contact at the line. But what that opens up is the Z position for Devontae Smith, who's already an incredible route runner. 
But having that extra space allows him to avoid contact at the line. And I think that's going to help him get open pretty considerably. I think this duo is very, very good. And then you have Quez Watkins in the slot, and he's a guy that they really, really like as a burner um, who can get in between the seams and make make plays down the field. So I, I think you don't want to buy stock in the running backs. I would agree with, with Miles Sanders. But you do want to buy stock in those three wide receivers. And I think, look, Jalen Hurts, I think, is is going through the next maturation of his of his game. He's got tons to work on. He's holding the ball for way too long. Um, but I think that having A.J. Brown – A.J. Brown, to me, is a quarterback maker, right? He made Ryan Tannehill look very, very good. Uh, he's best friends on and off the field with Jalen Hurts. And Jalen's looking for him quite a bit. So I think AJ Brown's going to have a great impact on Devontae Smith. I think he's going to have a great impact on Jalen Hurts. And I think Quez Watkins is going to eat uh, down below. Dallas Goddard's a little bit of, of a touch and go thing because they want to be an 11 personnel offense where it's one running back, one tight end, and then three wide receivers. But where does Goddard fit in that pecking order? Because you have a first round, you have a former first round pick in Devontae Smith, who's going to get open with regularity at the Z spot. He's also going to play in the slot. You also have AJ Brown who can get off press coverage and get open on slant routes and go routes pretty easily. He's proven that uh, against James Bradbury and Darius Slay, two of the top, you know, 15 corners in the league. Um, And so I think when you look at that, you wonder when Sal Scott are going to eat. And I think he'll be a very big red zone target. 